I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Crown Season 2. Damask Leary, how are you doing? Quite well, thank you. I submitted my second last assignment for uni yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Look, it was a bit of a shock to find out that I had a course that I was not aware of. A that I was course? That I was meant to be in um, after it had started. Holy <laughs> Look, shit. Um, this is just an insight as to how terrible I am at university. I never know if, when anything is happening. Anyway, I found I was meant to be enrolled in it enrolled in it, then found out that an assignment was due. I was like, shit. Um, all right, I haven't made any of the classes. Okay, cool. I was like, it's fine. There's one class that I can go to before it's due. Mm-hmm. I'll get a rundown. Um, for those that don't know, my house is a fortress. It's incredibly hard to get in and out of. So the morning of so that don't class... don't set fire to it because that's exactly, going to be a disaster. I am trapped. Um, so the morning of the class, I woke up. And I realized I had left my keys in my friend's car the night before. I had no way of getting out of the house. So I missed that class. And um, I did submit the assignment. I think it's right. We shall see. Mm. Wow. Yeah, no, my life is shambles. Luckily, you don't need to be a good student to be a good teacher. So That's it, kids. <laughs> but you're, so that means you're nearly done. When's your last assignment due? Uh, it's due on the 18th, but I'm going to India before that. So, I'm going to do it sometime this week. Oh, nice. Yes. Well, that was the other thing. You're going to be off the podcast for a week. Yes. Uh, because you're going to India. India. Wow, that's exciting. It is pretty exciting. I mean, apparently, they've got some air issues there at the moment. Don't we all? Don't go to California <laughs> either. Don't go to London. Yes, but I saw today much. in Delhi, um, going outside was equivalent to smoking 33 cigarettes a day. Oh, well, just... It's pretty bad. <laughs> don't be a person living in the crown either. That's all they do is smoke cigarettes 33 a day or so. That's true. Actually, there's less of that in season two. I know. It's because the king's dead. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, uh, so, are, are you excited about going to India or... I haven't had time to think about it. I've just been like uni-focused. Sure. But I'm sure I will be. What about you, Brod? What's new with you? Oh, nothing as interesting as you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll keep talking about me then. Yeah, no, totally. I'm much more <laughs> interested in India. Like, what are you looking forward to doing when you go there? Um, well, I'm only going for a week and a half with my family. Um, and we're on, we're mostly just going to be in Darjeeling, which is where my dad was born. Oh, um, and go. where my grandpa died. And we're going over there to spread my grandma's ashes. Wow. So we'll be doing that. Yes. 
So it's not going to be like a, a sightseeing trip sure. so much. It's just kind of like a family. So you've never been there thing. before, though. Never ever. Yeah, no. very cool. Dad went a couple of years ago for the first time since he was a baby, but he yeah. was a baby. Yeah. So he was. Yeah. Like I said, he was born there. Yeah. When he was six months old, because my pa- my grandparents right. were missionaries. Grandpa died while they were See. over there, and so grandma had to come back with the four kids. Gotcha. Yeah. This makes sense. There's a bit of family history for you, folks. <laughs> I like it. Colonialism. It's all theme. If you must know mm. what I've been up to, I've been working. I'm exhausted. Oh, you're I'm sausage. surprised I'm still standing, but we well, you're must- not standing. You're sitting on my bed. That is true. We must soldier on and get to our spoiler-free review of The Crown season two. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After a quick five-month jump forward in time, The Crown Season 2 takes us back to pretty much exactly where Season 1 ended as Queen Elizabeth deals with a new Prime Minister setting the stage for war, Margaret struggles with the prison that is being part of the royal family, and Philip prepares for five months away from England. The Crown's already superb cast is joined by a slew of new faces, including Anton Lesser, Gemma Whelan, John Heffernan, Paul Sparks, Michael C. Hall, Judy Balfour, and Matthew Good as bad boy photographer Anthony Armstrong-Jones. Season 2 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 59 minutes. It took us approximately 9 hours and 45 minutes to watch. Season 2 is Claire Foy, Matt Smith, and Vanessa Kirby's final season as part of the main cast, with Season 3 recasting for older versions of Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, and Princess Margaret. So, before we get into our review, Damask, Mm -hmm. remind the listeners what we thought of Season 1. I really enjoyed it, and I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. I didn't think I would find it very interesting. But it's a fascinating look into the monarchy. Very much enjoyed. I felt exactly the same way. Well, you liked it more than I did. I did in the end. I, I, I think you stole the words from actually my review. I started my review by saying how shocked I was mm. by how much I enjoyed it. Though we're on similar reasons there. I think you gave it a three and a half stars did, out of five. Yeah. I gave it four and a half. I was enraptured with mm. it. Like really, really got sucked into it. Um, the performances, the way it was shot, I still can't get over how beautifully lit mm. and color graded that that season was. And I also talked about the episodic nature of the show. Every episode sort of felt like its own mini movie. They stood apart and were singular stories, but also added to a greater whole. I just thought it was a fantastic season of television. Mm. Really, really enjoyed it. Very good. So, with that in mind. Uh, could you please give us your spoiler-free review of season two of The Crown? I can. I want to start off this review to say that Claire Foy is the motherfucking best. Now, I'd heard she was good, but I don't think I was quite prepared for just how masterful her performance is. All of this season gives her ample opportunity to perform the most complex emotional journeys with restrained dialogue. Her ability to convey deep hurt, disdain, humiliation, joy and adoration with a flick of her wrist or a raised eyebrow or a curling of her lips is truly enjoyable and I feel nothing but adoration for her. She's simply the fucking best. Vanessa Kirby too is incredible. She creates a nuanced and sympathetic character out of someone who might otherwise be insufferable. A young princess with all the privilege in the world is struggling with her identity and a profound depression this season. We watch her experience all the highs of elation as well as the pits of despair, each shown with intelligence and a wit that is endlessly charming. As for the show as a whole, it continues to gift us with episodes that feel like standalone events. It's a history lesson for me, one that I 
understand is full of artistic liberties. So I find myself Googling and educating myself about a transforming nation and a fractured family. This season, we delve into marriage and the complexities of relationships struggling to both uphold the institution and survive it. And because our dear Lilibet is married to Philip, we spend quite a bit of the season exploring who he is. And I think it's an important step to see what made the man and how that affects his ability as a husband, father and leader. He isn't a good man or a white knight, certainly not, but he is complex and he is damaged and he brings that to his relationships. Queen Elizabeth emerges as a strong yet compassionate leader, but one with flaws. Her deep-seated insecurities about her intelligence and ability to withstand the spotlight make her fascinating viewing. Elizabeth endures endless heartbreak from the men around her, both professionally and personally, but she goes on. The one constant in the crown is that no matter what the nation or the Windsors must suffer, Elizabeth is always there, holding it together under unimaginable scrutiny. While her personhood is hidden away, her dedication to those she loves is forever on show, not in grand gestures or heightened emotions, but in her loyalty and stalwartness. I absolutely enjoyed this season, but I do feel a little sad at its end. We won't get another chance to watch all of these actors or the characters in this moment in time again, and that bums me out a little. I never thought I'd say this, but Olivia Coleman has some pretty big shoes to fill. That's my review. Uh, I'm going to start by 100% agreeing with you on Claire Foy. I think, yeah, I think it'd be easy to undersell or overlook just how good she is in this role mm. because she's not a bombastic character, you know? She's not... Our lead in Queen Elizabeth isn't a screen filler, scene-chewing sort of character. Mm. It... It takes a subtlety to bring out the emotion that lies under the surface mm-hmm. because she's constantly trying to be this stalwart figure. Yeah. And Claire Foy is fucking great at it. She's I 100% so agree with she you. She even walks like the queen. I, I love her walk. I did notice that a lot this yeah. season. Just the And one of the things I, I noted as well is you can watch her age. Like, mm-hmm. you feel her getting older. She yeah. talks a couple of times about, like, whether I'm middle-aged and this sort of stuff. And it's, you know, getting um, pushed aside by her mother about that sort of thing. But it's you feel her getting older. You feel the weight of the role. You feel her mm. changing from this young woman we met yeah. in season one into this... Mm. They call her a settled sovereign, I think, at one point. By the end of this season... She's bloody terrific. Yeah, so good. Uh, and I also agree with you about Vanessa Kirby. I'm glad you mentioned Philip because I think Philip is... I was very fascinated to see what you think of Philip in general because mm. you're right. He's not a white knight. He's a very complicated and not to be idolized figure, if that no. makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's an episode that's really about him and his backstory that I'm looking forward to talking to you about in spoilers because... It's more complex than you might think at first. I think it feels like it's going down one road and it ends mm. up being something very different. Um, I think it's quite brave to to have a conversation like that or to, or to show an episode like that, mm. but not brave in the sense that I think the character is brave, but no. maybe what they're saying about a, a real-life individual is quite interesting. Uh, for me, I don't have quite the prepared review that you did this week, um, but this, I want to say, it very much feels like a season two if this makes sense. In a season two of another show, you know, season one, 
often has a very clean arc, introduces our main characters, but side characters sort of, or the backstories get left till later. And Mm. then season two starts to fill in the background, the origins of these characters. There's a gradual progression um, to, you know, further into their stories. We're just sort of stepping deeper and deeper into the forest. We aren't necessarily reaching a destination this Mm -mm. season. Um, And so it very much feels like, yeah, season two, a second or middle chapter sort of, um, part to this story. Nothing wrong with that, but you just get that sense from it. It doesn't stand on its own the way season one did for me. It also kind of got off to a bit of a clunky start, I thought. Not to say that like what they were talking about wasn't fascinating or good storytelling or, or worthy of a story, but I talked about last season being so episodic. Mm-hmm. And the first three episodes of this are kind of three parts of the same story. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have those individual standout episodes, it creates a rhythm. It like every episode feels refreshing and new and exciting because it could be anything. It's about a different character, or it's about a different scenario of history I didn't know about. And so, we start with a, the the cold open at the start of this season is happens, and then we have a we go backwards in time five months, I think it is, mm. or six months, mm-hmm. and then it takes three episodes to get back to that. First moment. And I understand why they started mm. with that scene. It ends up being a bit of a bookend to the season. The, the second last scene, basically one of the last scenes of the season, is sort of the the book, the, 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 the twin of that first scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I It felt like a lack of confidence that they had to start with that. They couldn't just start with the chronological part or... Mm. I quite like the, that positioning. I, I mm. like the scene a lot and it... I mean, the positioning, the way in which they The way it. they did it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it takes us like three hours to get back to that scene or at mm-hmm. least two and a half hours to get back to that scene. And I was, I know it felt like it didn't maybe need three episodes to say what it was saying. Mm-hmm. It could have maybe done in two or a little bit quicker. So I thought it was, it was a little bit slow. It dragged for me a bit at the start. But then after that, the next three episodes are three of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Mm. Like so good. they were all, they were Rippers, absolutely great episodes. And I was like, oh, okay, it found its step again mm-hmm. that I thought it had lost. One of the things that comes up in this, and it came up last season that I just want to start as a bit of a discussion topic as we move out of reviews, because I, I mean, a lot of the things I like about the first season are still there. Fantastic performances, still looks beautiful. The history is fascinating. All that's continuation. It's hard to add much on top of it, except to express what you did, which is a gratitude for what we got from these actors for two seasons mm. and a sadness that it, that is ending. While yeah. I'm excited about the Olivia Colman era, I feel like we could have got more. <laughs> like, it feels weird to move on at this stage. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, that... Becomes became quite apparent to me to, at the towards the end of the season. I was mm. like, there is so much more to explore. And yeah. We're getting little hints and stuff. My we yeah, well, I think we could have certainly had a couple more seasons. The the thing that's interesting about watching a show like this, and I'm sure this is not the only show where it happens, but I often have to gear my brain into the political or the social understanding of the era mm-hmm. in which. <clears throat> I keep having to remind myself how big a deal divorce is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, divorce just seems like one of those facts of life now. All my life, I've had friends who uh, have divorced parents and stuff like that. Mm. It's just sort of... It's a common, like, drama storyline in dramas and all those sorts of things. Modern day, but at the time, it's importance uh, in a personal level. Uh, it was just something that wasn't done. And then, of course, how important it is when you are the head of the Church of England. Mm-hmm. Like, 
It always seems like, oh, just get divorced. Oh, it'll be fine. But no, it is a scandal every time it happens. And to give it that importance takes kind of effort in my brain. Mm. It just because just I'm not of that era. I don't know yeah. if you felt it's that way It's also just not accessible to women. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, unless they have a huge body of evidence, um, it, it's also just not accessible to a lot of people. Did you Do you feel that at all, though? Do you feel like having to remind yourself of, like, the values of the time to put yourself in it or not really? Not, like the show doesn't do a bad job of it. Not it's just... really. I mean, because, yeah, I, be- I come from True. A, quite a religious family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, now um, it's not really much of a thing. But I, I remember when being little and divorce just was not something that you did. Mm. Yeah. What's your final score and ranking for this season? I am giving it four. Mm. Last season, I gave 3.5, so I enjoy this one a little bit more. I'm also giving it four. Mm. Last season, I gave 4.5, so I enjoyed this one a little bit less. Meeting in the middle. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Which means it averages out to be exactly the same. So, that's really interesting. Okay. (laughs) So, that's a pretty consistent, like, well, 20 episodes, two seasons with these actors, flat four. four. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
We'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of The Crown. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Crown up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You, you have, have been, been warned. warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. That accent was incredible. I really did not practice that at all. At first, I was like... I didn't even realize you were doing an accent, and then it became. I wasn't quite sure what the accent was. Is <laughs> what I was I'm trying to say. I'm still not convinced. Listen, you told me to practice. No, and you I didn't. didn't practice. That's what happens. But you know, I had to. I'm on the day. You do it on the day. Yeah, you did it. You on move the day. on. Yeah, move on. What would you like to talk about uh, in our deep dive discussion in spoilers first, Damask? Well, I guess we should start with the Queen, surely, right? Sure. Uh, is there any part? Is it, I mean, the main part of her story is obviously, and they put a lot of emphasis on her relationship with Philip mm-hmm. this season. Uh, starting, I mean, the end of last season, there's a little bit of a rift happening there. There's the, she has taken on this, the crown must win. She's He feels she's less the woman he married, all that sort of stuff going mm. on. This season, he's going and doing his five-month tour, as she asked. But we start with them on the yacht, the press is all there, mm-hmm. and their marriage is in turmoil. Apparently, or yeah. there's the, that's the rumors. Yeah, I think now that she's kind of, um, well, she you know still falters here and there. It's, she's a little calmer about her her role as queen, or um, how to hold that position in a way that suits who she is. Um, we see that with her relationships with the prime ministers mm-hmm. this season. And so we have a little bit more room to look at her personal life and her relationship with Philip. And yeah, I, yeah, and in starting the season that way, in which we talk about her being humiliated, which, um, which reminded me of the, what's it called? Not the, the queen, just the queen, right? The queen yeah. with. Yes. Um, So much of that was about swallowing humiliation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, her having to do that in her personal relationship with Philip as well. It made me fascinated, one, because I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to probably going to be the focus of the season is Mm -hmm. their relationship, which is interesting because I thought Philip was a bit one-dimensional season one, Mm -hmm. so I wanted more of that. Um, And, yeah, so I just kind of like wanted us to slowly get there. I actually thought... We were going to get there at the end of episode one. Right. And then we didn't with ending up back on the boat. Um, and then when it didn't happen, I was like, are we going to end there at the end of the season? Yeah, that's why I thought it was going to happen as well. my prediction. I'm glad it didn't take that long because that's well, that's a bit of a wank if you're going to take a whole I, I still think there. three episodes is a bit long, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it because I, in doing it that way, I became fascinated as to like what is the scandal, like what is going on. So it kind of sure. it, it it pulled me in, and I know you think that was like a lack of confidence. I no, that was my first was, feeling. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. It, it really wasn't that in the end. Mm. It was ended up being a framing device because yeah. they used that scene because they couldn't start there, mm. as in they couldn't chronologically start there, but they wanted to have the episode at the start because there's a mirror 
sort of conversation at the very end of the season. Mm. So it wasn't a lack of confidence. Yeah. It was a, it was a framing device, which I totally get. But it we've discussed this before, how sometimes when you have flash forwards and then go five months earlier, it's like you didn't trust that your story was interesting until Along this point. The way. Yeah. yeah, and especially when it happened three episodes in, my thing mm. was like, yeah, I that for my first instinct mm. was this lack of confidence. Sorry, I yeah, it. no, all good. Um, and I, it it spoke to the fact that I what I really wanted more of in season one was, I guess, talking about how this kind of woman who's been forced, I guess, to be repressed, or it might just simply be her nature, mm. which is interesting, um, and how like how that nature, I guess affects her personal relationships Mm -hmm. and how very much affects her relationship with Philip, their inability to have honest conversations with one another and to be direct. Um, Yeah, I found all of their stuff and specifically her her internal struggle with that, just simply swallowing humiliation day after day after day and not dealing with it. So that first conversation we see of them on the boat mm. that's that's the, that's the framing that she well the way she approaches the conversation let's have a frank conversation yeah. for once and they kind of do they also don't they they don't they never really talk about it they never really mention it um they, i'm asking what it will take mm-hmm. and there is a massive disconnect yeah. between them of what that is mm-hmm. i think she's asking do you need to be seeing other people yeah because, like, if you need to be somewhere else and be with other women to keep this interesting, to keep you in, that's fine. And then his solution is, I just want the moustaches to shave the moustaches and I want to be- I want a title. And I want to be prince. I want to be mm. ranked higher than my son, or at least on the same level as my son. Well, he's not on the same level. Well, he's not on the same below. level, but like- but He wants the respect of- The respect that yeah. comes with that title. And it's like, they're still even then avoiding the conversation. Mm. Well, it's- I mean, this is- yeah, that we have the ultimate adult, which is Elizabeth, mm. who's always like, "No, these are the rules. This is what we're going by. None of this nonsense." Um, and then we have Philip, who has like very limited control of his emotions, mm. is an absolute petulant child, does nothing but blame other people for all of his fucking problems. Um, so watching them negotiate, of course it doesn't make sense. Of course they don't know what one another are really asking of each other. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it's all, it's both tragic and hilarious to watch because they just are on totally different planets and have such different ways of viewing things because yeah, she is like, well, we need to work on your whinging because you're just whinging all the time. You're complaining. Yeah. Which is accurate. Um, and he's just like, he's he's blaming acting like a child because he's being treated. Yeah, what like do you a child. expect? I yeah, think he says, which is ridiculous because um, that's clearly not what's going on. He's like, but we'll get. I guess we'll talk more about that when we talk about Philip. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of really interesting to watch a woman, a stoic woman. I think yes. on television. Yes, like I find that endlessly fascinating to watch. I'm trying to think of the times when she is emotional this season. And anytime, like, I only say that because I think you would agree, mostly when women are on screen, there there is an expectation of emotion. Like, that's what comes mm. with it. So, that's what makes her stand well, out as a like an, character. Uh, a natural access 
to emoting sure. or emotionality, yeah. which she doesn't seem to have. And that's not to say that she doesn't feel them, but having like a clear access to them to think about them, analyze them and deal with them in a healthy way is in no way apparent. Or even just show. as an audience member mm. to feel like I've got a clear insight into what this person is thinking at any one time. And- I mean, yeah, there are certainly moments where I think there is ambiguity and I think that's important. Mm. But I think what Claire Foy does... Um, is that even in moments of stoicism, I feel like I know what the what the queen is feeling in that moment. You know, the moment when she sees the photograph in the bag and like the mm-hmm. emotional journey that we go on through Claire Foy's face is incredible. Um, it's the same thing, you know, in, in another way just when she is – standing behind Jackie Kennedy and they're looking at the portraits mm-hmm. and Jackie Kennedy is, you know, talking about introversion, that type of thing. And to see, like, her curiosity be sparked. A woman who's, like, famously, you know, uh, as Jackie Kennedy says, in no way curious or interesting mm-hmm. of all those things, you see that spark of curiosity and interest. And it's not big and it's not bold, but we have access to it through the amazing performance. There's... One of the things I think that also frustrated me at the first three episodes is that it feels like like there is a lot of speculation that goes into this or a lot of dramas, dramatization of historical, mm-hmm. you know, events. Mm. But these episodes about the inner workings of these two people's marriage feels more speculative than anything else. Yes. Like we get the note that Elizabeth le- leaves for Philip. Always remember you have a family. Mm-hmm. And there's deliberate uh, vagueness to that. It's got two meanings. Well, yeah, I think in the moment we are to believe that that is kind of like an accusatory, like, don't you do anything bad? That's right. But obviously as the season progresses and we understand Philip's history, yes. we realise it is a reminder that like, you are not alone. Yes. We are here. Yeah. But like that is interesting as well in the sense of like – is that note based on anything that's real? Is it complete invention? It becomes... I don't feel like... Or I feel like the the only the weakest episodes of season one used that sort of storytelling trickery mm. to like make you think one thing. No, we actually meant this thing. We tricked the audience as to what that person meant. Um... Uh, like I, I always I think of the one the fog right mm-hmm. and like they created that character that amalgamation mm. of the of Churchill's secretaries and then killed her with the bus mm. and like that felt cheap to me yeah and I kind of felt that was happening here too it's so much spec I'm not saying it's inaccurate or it has to be super accurate but so the my favorite episodes especially those singular episodes like about Jackie Kennedy and um uh, JFK mm. and um about uh, the the guy that criticised the monarchy and then she had that secret meeting with him. Like, there's just a little bit mm. more there that I feel like it's based on something historically true or historically fascinating that sparks my interest. I don't know. Mm. I don't... Because obviously their relationship is, is integral, but it's it has to be so speculative. Like, how much insight do we really have there? How much of this is just fabrication? Well, I mean... But I guess it kind of like, well, yes, to more of a degree with their personal relationship, yeah. but so many of the goings on with, you know, yes, those big moments in history, mm. like the connective tissue there 
is it's all speculative. Like, no, it is. So I think it's just so we we understand like people who have studied the Windsors have like watched their relationship and in between scandals or whispers and stuff, and they don't know the conversations in between that. But they have these moments of you know huge amounts of time spent together, a scandal happening, they have to come back together. Um, rumors of his relationship with mm. that ballerina, his the controversies around the lunch club, all that kind of stuff. Um, so while they're not like big moments of like national tragedy or um, or diplomats or um, presidents or that type of thing coming over. Politics. That, or- yeah, they are moments that um, are known about. And mm-hmm. yeah, they just have to kind of add to it. And I guess one thing that comes to mind is I saw a little pe- – a f- few people were – upset by um, what the show was positing in the episode about Philip and his family, about how his actions led to his sister's death, which mm-hmm. is not what happened, that she was always going to go to the wedding. Right. So that isn't what happened. But what that speaks to is the natural guilt that people feel yeah. when they are left behind. And it's... N- Nothing he could have done or not done would have made him ever guilty of that. But it's just simply a narrative point, a narrative device for us to be like, oh, he, he feels that guilt. He feels, and we as an audience member know that it doesn't matter that he punched someone because, you know, a plane went down, you can't predict that mm-hmm. type of thing. But, yeah, it's just kind of making it clear within the story what um, this character, yeah, yeah, based on a person, but what this character is experiencing and how it led them to where we are now or where we're going. I think we're drifting towards Philip here. Is there anything else about Elizabeth you want to talk about before we get there? I just, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch her deal with the indignity of the monarchy or the power of the monarchy slipping away. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed, I mean, this is another thing that's speculative and didn't happen, was the meeting with the guy. Um, I thought that was fascinating. One, once again, Claire Foy is amazing in that scene. So you've done a bit more research than me. Mm. So there's no evidence that she had this meeting with... She abso- uh, He absolutely had a meeting with the secretary guy. But he did not meet her. That that didn't happen. He also didn't bring a list um, of things to do. I'm a little disappointed what, by that. What happened was obviously like the article came out um, and he had the meeting and obviously Buckingham Palace then adapted some of his writings to then make changes. Right. Um, so in the meeting with him... One, I think she plays it so wonderfully, Claire Foy, and mm-hmm. also the Queen in that moment, um, with her comment of like, "Oh, is my is my voice okay? It's not too strangled." Strangled's. Fuck that douchebag. Um, <laughs> but her having to do it's while she's so personally hurt by what has occurred, professionally sitting there and realizing that there are things that she has to deal with in order to allow her family to survive yeah. in the life that they have always lived in. Um, but I also want to speak a little bit more to that. I 
really struggle with the depiction of that journalist. Okay. Because, yeah, obviously, like, he probably did have a lot of great intentions, mm-hmm. but I really would have... I guess they can't because it doesn't exist within the discourse of the time, but I guess the framing of the show in a way of like how much of his criticisms of her were steeped in misogyny. Sure, sure, sure. Like that really fucking bothered me. But he was just like, oh, you know, kind of this this do-gooder that really like, you know, he changed so many things, which he did, but he was a fucking cunt to her. Like the things he wrote about her were like, deeply personal attacks. Yeah. Yes, he was like, he wanted the like parts of the monarchy and how it functioned to change, but he wrote some really fucked up shit about it, it her. Was it was deeply extremely personal. And that yeah. was what, as soon as he, that article came out, that was my, that was my first question. I was like, how is she going to, yeah. like, it's one thing for the, the way she looks to- and her high pitched voice. Yeah. Like, fuck off, mate. Like, you're a dickhead. Anyway. The, that uh, that whole episode's fascinating. The the moment I, I love the television broadcast, the broadcast of the of the Christmas message because mm. it's one of those things that I've been aware of my entire life as well, but I've never watched. Oh really? Never watched it. I actually um, my grandmother tunes in every Boxing Day here in Australia because by the time it's Christmas there, it's Boxing Day here. Yeah, that's cute. Um, or in the evening of. Christmas. I think I watched one, um, but I I on YouTube. I'm sure oh, everyone's I've gone and watched it since. Everyone's. Watched it. The guy who does um, the accent, he talks about accents, actors' accents. Oh, right. Yeah. I think it's, it's like Vanity Fair or something like that. Anyway, they sure. do it. He's an accent expert. And he he's, can, he should talks, analyze my spoiler zone. <laughs> definitely. Uh, Look forward like, to that. Like to see that episode. Yeah. But he analyzes Claire Foy's accent. And the example they use is the Christmas speech. Sure. And she's just great. <laughs> and it's also just funny to see the Queen, obviously, so. Yeah, a bit nervous. Yeah. Um, have you watched the actual yeah. broadcast since? It is fascinating to watch yeah. it, and I love it's one of my so unnatural. The my favorite detail mm. is that in she has a couple of times, but specifically at the end, right? She's finishing. She looks off, yeah. and someone said to her, "Smile," yeah. and she smiles. It's like yeah. it's spot on exactly. <laughs> and Claire Foy does a great job replicating that. Um, I've then since watched like one from a couple of years ago, mm. and like. The format has not evolved. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the same yeah. with a couple of extra cuts in there now. Uh, I'm going to definitely watch this year's, by the way. Like, so, she's like such in her 90s now, so let the girl do what she wants. Oh, no, no, no. This yeah. is not a criticism. Yeah. In fact, I honestly think the more I watch this, the more respect I have for how she does her job. Yeah. Is it irrelevant? Yes. Are we past it? Definitely. Do, mm. I, have, do I respect her, the person... Mm. For doing what mm. she does, I I have some respect for yeah. that job, for what she does. Yeah, how she performs. Yeah, it. I think it's hard. I also kind of, I I find royal families really interesting. The way that like I would go to, you know, like the Vatican and stuff, or like you know these ancient buildings and like these things that you can see and experience from like a relic of the past that. Yes, we don't need them anymore. Sure, we could bulldoze them over and let, you know, build things that people can use and stuff. But it's kind of amazing to see like where we've 
come from and to like touch a little bit of history. So I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it would be a shame to lose the monarchy. That's my personal opinion. Well, what they are now, and this is something that the show alludes to, they are the coat of paint, you know, mm-hmm. that's over the rusty old banger and whatnot. Yeah. And it's what, it's a big part of like how that episode ends. There is a, real um, sadness or anger or I don't know what you call it, but there's she knows she's losing power and that mm. she's just becoming... I think the episode's called Marionettes. Yeah. Um, they are becoming just these, like, public figures that they, they have no power. They are only there to be a show, really, you know? Mm. There's pageantry. And when they're going and meeting, you mm. know... Harold the Hammer or whatever his name was and <laughs> this other guy who's a butcher and blah, blah, mm. blah. Like, there's a real disappointment and a feeling of, like, a lowliness to what they're doing yeah, that do you know, I don't they- sympathise with, no. but I definitely am fascinated yeah. with. Do you like when it's coming from um, the voice of the Queen Mother, right? Yeah. Because she's obviously grew up in a very different time in yeah. which yeah monarchies were much more prevalent and also it you know it's part of her religious belief mm-hmm. the, the, this divine right that mm-hmm. god believes that they should have these things and be in this position and so to be told by people that do not have this divine right like touched by god any of this stuff to told told that they no longer should have them, it just wouldn't make sense to you. Yeah. Now, is that right? Of course not. But, like, I can understand her perspective of being like, what, what is going on? Why are things changing this way? Like, and obviously Queen Elizabeth has adapted quite a lot, um, you know, sending her kids to school and all that type of thing, which is nice. Um, yeah, look, do they live ridiculous lives and, you know, cost a lot of money? Sure. But so does like just simply renovating Buckingham Palace and whether they lived there or not. Well, the they're often talked about as being like a reality show these days, mm. right? Like they are tabloid fodder. Every time I go to the supermarket and see new idea, there's fucking Harry and Meghan Markle, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what this has become. I imagine, I mean, the show's already doing it. It's already suggesting that's what these are. Mm. That we saw with Princess Margaret, it was it was uh, a spectacle. It was a sh- the the newspapers and the media got all on that because it captured the imagination of the population. Mm. And I wonder if that's what most of this next yeah. like six sh- seasons of the show are going to be. Just watching it become be, a reality yeah, show, essentially. Focus on that, and it's like a little sad because if you the 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 journalist guy, you know what he says is that you know politicians come and go, mm-hmm. but the royal family represents, you know, the values and ideals of a nation Mm. and can be a unifying force. Um, And I kind of see how, like, as um, celebrity and, like, I guess just simply their personhood becomes more, like, apparent, Mm -hmm. um, how you you can't represent a nation's ideals if you're just Joe Blow. You Like, it's very – it's hard to do that and you you just become – something else and i'm not saying that something else is necessarily bad but it's definitely different and i think it yeah it's changes it i think that's counterintuitive to as an australian i think what we think Mm. i think often it's joe blow joe average old mate down the street who you could have a beer with and you know stand Mm. around the barbie is who is considered to represent 
everybody else. Yeah. Like that is much more appealing. Well, or... our, yeah, our culture is very different in totally. that regard. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say Whereas that. The, yeah, they're like stoicism and stiff upper lip. That's and, right. You know, being honourable and all of those type of things, um, you know, this whole idea of like what a gentleman is, mm. you know. Um, yeah, being... Yeah, being a part of that um, for so long was so important to their national identity. And as, I guess, the aristocracy and, like, the monarchy lessens, I think, um, yeah, it, it, it cha- that national image changes. I'm, the more I think about it, the more fascinated I am mm. by what is going to happen when she is no longer around. Oh. I just... I cannot predict mm. what that is going to feel like, what the public perception or feeling or emotion around that's going to be like. I think it's mm. going to be very mixed. And I and what happens to the royal family after that when Charles is king? Or I just I'm just I it's going to be fascinating to watch. And it's going to be fascinating to watch now that I actually give a little bit of a shit <laughs> to pay attention to it now. Yeah, after watching I'm, The Queen and now The Crown, I think I'm going to be really upset when she does. <laughs> I think I might be as well, actually. Again, she's been a Which constant. I did not see happening. I've never given a shit about the monarchy before in my life. Now that I'm going to watch The Christmas Message. And like, now I'm, I'm like, I think it. the Queen should live forever and monarchy <laughs> should reign. She's been a like, constant I don't know what's going on. I guess it's just propaganda, isn't it? But on the flip I'm side. I'm totally falling for it. On the flop, yeah, on the flops, on the flop side, on the flop side, on the flop side, uh, of her losing like uh, significance, right? Mm. She also maybe for the first time makes a couple of actual big decisions, Mm. uses her power for the first time this season. Um, There was one before, and I can't remember what it was, but the second one is the big one is when she goes. Um, and she does the or meets with one of the African leaders, Ghana. Ghana, thank mm. you. And not only goes and like does something that she shouldn't have done. It's going to show favoritism. All this mm-hmm. stuff. She's every advisor telling us telling her it's the wrong thing to do. But then that the masterstroke of the dance, yeah, that absolutely pulls him back in to mm-hmm. the Commonwealth and and keeps him in Western values yeah. and away from communism or socialism, whatever you want to call it. The to it was very, very satisfying to see her make a move, yeah, and not only make a move, but for it to work. Because my big worry was like, oh, this is gonna blow up in her face. Well, and- so often we see her falter or her assumptions yeah. be incorrect. Um, so yeah, it was actually quite shocking to be like, oh, wow, that worked better. Than anyone, anyone thought. In fact, most people thought it would be the absolute opposite, which was wonderful. And then obviously when that happened, I then Googled the images and they're just delightful. Um, but I also loved the motivation of her motivation in that episode, which is really interesting. Mm, I wasn't... I, this episode gets to a place that I mm-hmm. love, but there's a moment in there was like, this feels a little petty, and maybe that's that is not inaccurate. Maybe there, you were talking about, you know, I, there yeah. is this. I, um, she is, she does feel inadequate, mm-hmm. you know, intelligence or even beauty and all these sorts of things. This comes up constantly thematically for her, but when she's just sitting here being a little bit like, oh fuck, Jackie, Jackie Kennedy, she's so smart and she's so beautiful. I was like, oh, this is getting a bit catty and weird. I was like, that's disappointing. No, I actually think it's a lot more nuanced than that. Yes, I think 
um, that cattiness can be seen there. And mm. I actually think um, the relationship between her and Margaret is a little bit more kind of one note, like tit for tat stuff. Whereas the stuff with Jackie Kennedy, I found quite interesting because yeah, she does have like the natural kind of, as we all do this, you know, jealousy of like, oh, everyone's saying that she's the best, Mm. particularly if you are the queen one, like you're always meant to be the most important person in the room, but also she has had to deal with those feelings of inadequacy and like this thought that, you know, Margaret's probably better suited to it. And, you know, she's charming and all these things. And I'm just like this bland, boring blob as everyone seems to think. And, but she meets this woman is like, and they have a conversation and they, and she lets down the guard as much as she can while she doesn't actively like participate in a conversation like you and I would, mm. she does warm to her and they do have seemingly a lot in common. They are women who are both in a relationship with men who are extroverts mm-hmm. and they are naturally not and dealing with that kind of pressure and, you know, being she's charmed and connects with the popular girl. Very enticing. Then to learn that, oh, she's been had, right? Yeah. Like, fuck Jackie O. Like, yeah, you've been had and you want to prove that you have value um, and that, oh, what she can do, I can do as well. And the fear there is that you know that it's coming from a deep place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So you think that it's going to fail. And she goes and she does it and she fucking nails it and comes back. And then we ha- we have a sit down once again with Jackie O that is like, I'm under a lot of pressure. I was on drugs and I said something I shouldn't. And then instead of, and while yes, she like has sympathy for Jackie O as we learn later that she does like, oh, you know, I should have been like, I forgive you and all that kind of stuff. Cause she doesn't feel badly towards her at all. Mm. Um, Cause it's not about, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was this boring caddy thing. No, no, it, it wasn't. But but like that's what I was saying. It was like halfway through the episode, it was like, oh, this seems a little like immature. And I was I just wasn't sure what that was trying to say. And then by the end of it, yeah, it was yeah. like it came around. It, yeah. ended up, it went from my least favorite to one of my favorite episodes mm. by the end of it. Go on. You know, I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed the journey because it was such like a a normal response that a person has. Yeah, totally. have Like the stakes are so much higher because she is the queen. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a, a fascinating insight into how, because so rarely we see her person, how she feels personally affecting what she does professionally. Mm-hmm. And this is a time that we really do see that. Um, and then I love the line at the end by Phillips. Like, you know, there are ice in those veins when you need them. And it's like, yeah, it's, that's, she's been trained to be that way. And also she's not perfect and she can be cold in, and not cold in like, oh, I just happen to be like not a very warm person, but I. I think you might be getting mixed, episodes mixed up. I, it wasn't the ice in the veins from the David oh, it stuff. It was the David because one. Because at the end, the way yeah. that the Jackie Kennedy one ends is JFK gets shot and oh, killed. Fuck, that's right. And then yeah, she's sorry. got blood over her, and yeah. she's like, she hasn't changed. She hasn't changed. And so like, I, think I think that's on purpose. I think the statement there, because the conversation that uh, Jackie has with Elizabeth the second time mm. is how much she actually admires her. Yeah. You know how, um, and then she was admired what she went and did over in Ghana. Was it? Yes. No, yes. And 
um, that was like a sim like Jackie's version of that, right? She kept that suit on because I think the quote was she wanted to make sure they knew what they did to him. Mm-hmm. I went and researched that a little bit afterwards. Yeah. I think that's correct. That's also and from the movie Jackie starring Nelly Portman. I, rem- I remember that. Um, but yeah, there's the there's a connection there and a, a respect there, mm-hmm. and, I, and that's how that episode ends. Yeah, the ice in the veins bit. Was with David. Was with David. Yeah. But, but so just before we do that, one last thing. With the Jackie stuff, when mm. she's coming to, to the private dinner, the second one, mm. the flex from- Oh, my God. From Elizabeth. When I was watching- With the guards storming past and all the guys in Make their way for the Queen's guard. <laughs> I love that. Uh. And then, yeah, as she walks up the stairs, all the soldiers. All the soldiers. Can you imagine, like, walking into Windsor Castle and seeing, like, the full regalia? Yeah. Just, like- Oh my! It'd be so exciting and so intimidating. Oh yeah. my god! I, I you would feel it. so small and so oh. like what the fuck? Who the fuck? I'm like, I where off? am I right now? <laughs> where am I right now? Um, yes, no. That the ending of that is amazing. The simple like oh, because yeah, her life has been yeah balancing the personal and the professional, and then mm-hmm. to see Jackie something so deeply personal, but doing something for the nation to see like this is what we have become. Yeah. Like look at what you've done kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was great. So uh so the yeah, the David episode though. So mm. the, the other two moments that stood out for me where where Elizabeth was making a choice that she may not have made in season one, where she was sort of starting to own the crown rather than the crown own her mm-hmm. was number one when she didn't tell Margaret what she knew mm. about mm-hmm. uh Tony. Um yeah. she decided to mm. not Step on her toes for fucking once, mm. um, which was a nice moment. But then the the second one was with David, where she's this constant question because she is a religious figure and she really, really um, takes that role very seriously and she believes that forgiveness is a part of her Christian faith. Mm. And to draw a line in the sand and say, for, before we get there, this whole thing that David was fucking a Nazi supporter mm. after season one, where I had quite a lot of sympathy for David. Did you not know that he was a... I had no fucking idea. Again, I have not paid attention to this history <laughs> or this family whatsoever. Yeah. That fucking shocked me. Like... Yeah, I knew he was, at the very least, a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. I knew that his wife was... Let- because I'm a bit funny on the word Nazi sympathizer. Sure. Because I think that pretty much just means you're a fucking Nazi. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, she was fully into that stuff. Whereas I think for him, it was more of like a political move um, in order to regain his title. His yeah. his explanations are interesting or do some explaining to a point. And again, this show is representing it in a very specific way. But based off the show... Mm. Pretty filthy fucking actions here, and all of a sudden you feel like you do, I've not no sympathy for David leaving, for being exiled from the UK, mm-hmm. and to see her make that and draw that line in the sand, yeah, and kick him the fuck out and say never come back, yeah, was very very satisfying from a, just a narrative that from the TV point of view, and mm. then that moment. This is where Philip can sometimes be like. There are moments as well with this. We can talk about the complexities of their relationship, Philip and, and Elizabeth. Mm. But um, sometimes they work mm-hmm. as a pair when this happens and he's there to back her up. Yeah. Like, 
I really like that about him. Early on in the season, before he goes away, before she finds the portrait of the ballerina, mm. they're quite cute. They are and really like, cute together. Like, there's a spark there mm-hmm. that I like and I enjoy. Yep. Yeah. Um, just to go so, back yeah, to the David stuff. Um, yeah, I thought it it was so interesting because we have that moment when she f- well, like she gets the documents, she reads through them, obviously. Oh. And at that point, because I didn't know what was detailed in the documents, I knew that he was like an at least a Nazi sympathizer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and Nazi. His, yeah, and his Nazi ties. <clears throat> um, but I I wasn't sure exactly to how what degree. Yeah, to what? Well, not, but just like how that came about, sure. or yeah, the details of it. And so when he, they are first having that conversation, and he's explaining himself away. Um, well, like you can see it's an obvious manipulation, just speaking about like, yes. well, I just wanted peace and all this type mm-hmm. of thing. And you see Elizabeth take that on board mm-hmm. because, you know, she does want to forgive. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to be the one that's just like banishes her uncle, The you know, the only person alive that has been in her position. Um, and she does have an affinity for him. So she doesn't want to do that. And so when that happens, I was like, no. No, and then obviously, wonderfully, Philip's like, I hate to say it, but go see Tommy. One, I love that because it's the right decision, and two, because we get to spend more time with Tommy. Hundred percent agree with who all I that. Fucking love. I do like he shows up like he's peppered throughout the season. It's just like oh, I hate- every time there's a problem, they're like, quick, call Tommy, and I'm like, yes, call Tommy. Michael is so like wet compared to Tommy. He's such. There's nothing to him. Uh Yes, ma'am. Uh, actually, it's like fucking Tommy would just get to the fucking point. <laughs> yeah, every time he has to deal with a difficult situation, he calls up Tommy so that Tommy can tell the queen. Like, he just doesn't want to. He wanna... just shows up. Yeah, he's like, all right, with his two dogs. It's like, I'm, uh, yes, ma'am, I'm here to uh, sort the issue. It's fabulous. Um, yeah, and then we have that great kind of rundown. It's like just beautifully succinct and what a yeah. character to do it. The rundown of everything that he did. The, pl- the plan in which to, like, he and his wife go over, yep. get the Nazis to, you know, the war is won, give him back his country. That is crazy. Give him back his country and then he will gift um, Nazi Germany, like, free For- reign. Oh, fucking hell. It's fucking crazy. And also- How I didn't know this. Not only that. So, obviously, it's bad enough that you are aligning yourself with fucking Nazis- um, but to conspire against your home country, sorry. Yeah, yes, to do that. But also to tell <laughs> enemy forces to continue to bomb, yeah. like, your countrymen and con- countrywomen? That can't be right. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, like, that is so fucked up. Obviously, you shouldn't bomb anyone, and I'm anti-war. Mm-hmm. But to do that, like... The raids on London where your fucking family lives, yeah. it's so fucked up. So, and it speaks like, and it connects so perfectly with his fucking letters. I know, it makes me want to go back and like, watch the first season again yeah. and all those David episodes because you watch them, I watch them in a completely different light now mm. in the way he talks about them and the way he talks with people. Ah, oh, and his whole plan to get a job and all his mates inside. Like, who are those people now who are so. Yeah. Keen to see him like, back. He and his wife clearly both narcissists, if not oh. fucking psychopaths. But I was actually reading some quotes from um, his dad, the the king mm-hmm. that preceded him, um, 
King Which George as well, was he, I think, before? I can't remember. Maybe. Um, not nice. He, I, One of the quotes was, and obviously I'm paraphrasing, was saying that um, it was like when he was on, he was close to death, saying that, you know, his son will like bring down the monarchy within like 12 months and stuff. And like, wow. just like he knew that his son was like a fucking like piece of shit. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So everyone kind of knew this guy was bad news. And thankfully, really, when you think about it, Wallace comes in and he like abdicates, obviously, ultimately, because he wanted to, he thought he could get it back again. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that the government had to like hide information for him because he was giving, while he was like king, was giving it to the enemy. Just nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so yeah, when she finally banishes him and it's just like, you know, how can you forgive yourself? You're like, fuck you. One thing I didn't love, though. Sure. Thought was a bit overkill. Was uh, playing cards at the end. Yeah. Picking up the, the Joker, Joker, putting down the king, <laughs> look in the mirror. I was like, oh, jeez, come on. That is one of those moments where it's like that's too much. Yeah, you've you've gone. <laughs> that this yeah. is pantomime now. Yeah. Like that is a little bit too yeah. much melodrama there. But I did love the photos at the end. Ooh. Yeah. Just for those people who, unlike me uh, continuously Googling through the episode to kind of verify what is and isn't true. Just for people who were just like watching it, they plast the photos of the real dude, real David at the end, hanging out with Hitler and his crew. But, yeah. I also loved uh, when Philip comes back drunk and she's sitting there going, you know, fretting over not forgiving him. Mm. And he's like, I've just been hanging out with Tommy and your mum getting plastered because <laughs> we are psyched with what you did. We are so proud of you right yeah. now. I just yeah. <laughs> That image of just mm. those three sitting around just putting yeah. down He was cherries. very cute at that moment. And then when he's like talking about forgiveness and stuff and he just says to her, he's like, you get a gold star from Jesus. Yeah. And she has a little giggle. <laughs> and I thought that was very cute. Yeah. I, I do. We should talk about Philip maybe now, I think. Mm. I think it's time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, there's a lot to dislike about Philip. I I get the I get the appeal. I get why he she's attracted to him. I get and the idea they talk about as well. I think Jackie and her about you know we have these men because we feel insecure to protect us to be loud ones mm. and that ends up putting us into even more of the spotlight and whatnot. Um, I get why she ended up with Philip. I I can see mm. and, and I can see. Especially before she had this responsibility, how that could have worked really well. Those two, yeah, just she being, you know, in that first episode, we see her she hosting, was able him. to be the th- the the person that she genuinely wanted to be. She yeah. was like in that conversation with Margaret, she like just she just did want to be that kind of stay at home mom, you know, wife has the kids. That's what she wanted. There's an image I love. I think it's in the episode with the reporter who's talking about like all the changes that need to be made to mm. the uh, monarchy and stuff like that. Um, I think it's that episode. And she's just getting around, you know, in her wellies, in the mud. And they mm. do a close-up of her walking through a puddle. And I love that because I wasn't. I, there could be a communicator a few different things, but I kept thinking it's like she's, she's really relatable in mm. a sense. It's just that she's been kept yeah. at a distance from the rest of the mm. world. There's this all this pretense yeah. of bullshit. And she would probably be, you know, people would quite like her. And well, that's the thing. And even kind of like is point, pointed out with her conversation with Margaret and Margaret's talking about this play that she's gone to. Yes. And she's like, oh, you know, and 
poor Elizabeth is like, oh, it's that. And it's like, no, it's that. And it's that. And it's that. It's like, when was the last time you went to a play or went to the theater? And it's like, all she likes to do is hang out with her dogs and her horses and going like shooting and driving and yeah. stuff. Like, she doesn't She's really bogan. care. Yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, she is. She doesn't care about that other stuff. She does talk about being like, like uh, more. No, she doesn't because that's from. She's like, I haven't season. read a book in ages. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about Philip then. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip has a episode on his childhood um, centered around Prince Charles. It's interesting because the kids have not really been characters up until now. Mm. We've understood Philip sort of how he works as a father or is not such a great father. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that they got the kids the wrong way around, that Anne's the great, boy. And, yeah, not a great dad to well, Charles. Not a great dad. That's pretty much how this episode ends. But to go back and sort of see his complicated history mm. um, with his Nazi family mm-hmm. to be sent to this school in Scotland, um, the hard time he had there, obviously his adored sister who died, which we've heard the story before, but still it's fucking crazy that she had the baby on the plane mm. as it went down. That's fucking nuts and like... Cruel. Well, I think they, yeah, they theorize that she went into early labor and that's yep. why they tried to land yeah. early. Yeah. Um, how did you, you found that episode? You mentioned already that, you know, it's all about him finding family. Mm. Um, you obviously don't love Philip. No, no. Did you feel any sort of sympathy or connection or better understanding of Philip by the end of this episode? Yeah, I think I certainly had a better understanding of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how can you not feel bad for the guy? It's a pretty... The kid. Mm. Yeah, like simply being sent away and then the one, like obviously he was abandoned by his dad who's a real piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, his poor mum, very mentally ill and institutionalised. Um, and so all he had were his two sisters, one of which that he absolutely adored, the other also married to a Nazi, I believe. Um, I don't think there were many options. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of options. Don't marry a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Just saying, Jeremy, Jeremy had a lot of Nazis at the time. Yes, it it did. It did. Like, I mean, his dad didn't live in Germany, though, so they could have gone to yeah. other European countries. Anyway, um, yeah, and so he's kind of stuck in this weird... Scottish swampland with this, you know, poor guy who's had to flee Germany. I thought that was an interesting choice that his dad was like, oh, I want you to train or study with this Jewish man. Um, Mm. Yeah, just it's fucking sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's It's a really sad story. And you can see that he clearly has abandonment issues um, to the fact that I think to the point that I think he finds it hard to really stop and stay and be a part of a family in for fear of it going away again. And so he's the one to go. He's the one to kind of push away. Um, yeah, I, I, I did find it fascinating. I also, I guess I, I still want more from him though. Like the, Seeing the foundation mm. of his dysfunction is really good. Um, but I think maybe I would like to see a bit more of him as an adult, not simply flying off the handle mm-hmm. or um, being petulant. Um, maybe a, a little bit more flavor there. What's well, going to be interesting, I think, as Charles 
grows up mm. to see what their yeah. relationship is like. Um, He's a yeah, not a great dad, Charles, at all. Yeah, and it's going well, uh, <clears throat> like father, like son, really. I think that was what you think about the episode is it. It felt like on some level it was going to go down a road of like, you know, Philip's going to learn some sort of lesson here. He's going to come mm. away. He's he's Maybe he's gone down the wrong path, but he goes back it to the place like where- It felt like an American like teen movie. Yes. Where he's like, it's your dream, Dad. It's your dream for me to be a football player. And then the dad learns- Hey, it's okay if it's he's okay a ballerina. That, yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I mean, that's Billy Elliot, but yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's English too. Uh, no, the that's what I thought was going to happen. That's not English. Billy is Elliot, isn't it? Aren't they? Are they Irish? Oh, Irish. Yeah. I haven't seen Billy Elliot. British. Unless it's Northern Ireland. I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble with the Irish. Move on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's why it really felt I was going to do. Yeah, he's there. He's sort of reminiscing. He's having like almost like flashbacks to the time. He's seeing the gate that he built. And he's so proud to be back at the school and that Philip's going to go there and all this sort of stuff. And then you're on the plane. They're having that conversation. And you're <sighs> like, this is the moment. This is the moment where Philip's yeah. going to learn to be a good dad. No, he's not. And I felt that was... To, to to break that convention or to mm. to not go there and to just come away and say, while this might have worked on some level for mm. Philip or made him the man he is today yeah. for better or worse, it is not appropriate for this for Charles. Yeah, and absolutely. he is a bad dad for yeah. forcing him to go to this prison that he considered mm. a, uh, sorry, the college he considered prison mm. his entire life. Yeah. And just seeing how informed by trauma that moment is yeah <clears throat> simply like he thinks that in order to survive you can't be weak right because he was alone and so he had to be strong yes charles is not alone mm-hmm. he does not need he doesn't need to learn that lesson to survive yep. but philip is so fearful of his son not being prepared to be alone because he thinks that is what childhood and life looks like but Charles can't relate to that and so they just like he just can't see Charles at all or his experience or where he sits in the world yeah do we find it fascinating that Philip decided he wanted and learnt to fly considering what an impact air travel has had on his if that wasn't true I would think that would be too much because I was like that that is his attempt to save his sister is to learn how to fly but that's what he did we did which yeah very interesting. Uh, is there anything else about Philip you want to talk about? Um, just a little thing. I really enjoyed the tidbits we see with him and Margaret. I yeah. enjoy their They have a similar friendship. spirit. Well, yeah, they're both kind of like outliers mm. who, you know, love kind of being shiny and sparkling in like their positions but hate all the rules mm-hmm. and just like cannot see why they have to live by them. Yeah. Um, what did you feel about the final conversation? We haven't really spoken about this yet between Philip and Elizabeth. Um, mm, I I wasn't satisfied by it. I guess what he was saying is that I am always here now because if he was saying that I'm always here as like, as like that is a tenement of my, of who I am, that's completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite often, not only physically abandon her, but like mentally and emotionally abandoning her when she's gone through some really tough times. Um, 
So I guess in that way I was confused. If they are saying that like that is make him taking an oath then and there, that makes more sense to me, but that wasn't clear to me. Otherwise he's gaslighting her. Like yeah. otherwise he is bold faced contradicting the truth. Mm. Because I like that well, that's who she is. That's who she is in that relationship. Yes. She is always even in that very first conversation we see, she is the one trying to problem solve it. Yeah. And he's just throwing problems back in her face. And yep. she's like, you know, these are the ways we need, to, what we need to do in order to fix it. And he's just like, well, this is what's wrong and that's what's wrong and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff, but no solutions. Like he's entirely unhelpful in his marriage. I think at least in the show, there are times when he can be a positive support for her. Oh, yeah. I mean in like but unhelpful in, in the way of like keeping... The marriage together. healthy, yeah. There's a deliberate choice, I think, to have him kneel in front of her yeah. as well, which was an interesting, another interesting way to sort of round out these two seasons, the yeah. Claire Foy and the Matt Smith era. I will not kneel. And then yeah. to... I, I found it quite lovely, actually, that moment where he's kneeling and he's got his head in her lap and then mm. she leans over. I thought that was quite sweet. And they held on to that moment for quite a long time and it felt very it real. Nice, yeah. I quite like that a lot. Yeah, that conversation at the end is interesting. It's like if you take it on face value, it'd be a great end to like a rom-com maybe or something like that, <laughs> a complicated relationship, These maybe a sad story of a complicated marriage. Um, but it's going to continue and mm. there's going to be a lot of questions yeah. raised about it's- the authenticity of that conversation. Yeah, it's also interesting because obviously – it is of such a speculative nature and yet they also have to play it really carefully not to concrete, concretely no. say anything. Yes, I've cheated. Yes, we need an open marriage, any of that stuff because then that obviously informs where they go from there. Um, it's amazing how much is not said. Like, yeah. again, maybe partly because they can't comment on speculation yeah. like about this ballerina. But also or- I think like, yeah, and it solidifies something – that may ring false in future seasons when other things happen. So, yeah, to say that they have an open marriage, well, that really changes that dynamic. Mm. Or, yeah, to really cement that he is a serial cheater um, or for them to speak openly about that in any way totally changes the dynamic. Um, it so feels yeah, like find that balance minor progress was made. At least she is now saying outright. She's not just saying... What do you need to be in? She's mm. saying, did you fucking cheat on me? Essentially. But still, he's not really partaking that conversation. Well, no, she's currently. like, I, you know, one thing I cannot stand is people not telling me the yes. truth. Um, but that the truth is never really spoken. No. He then goes on to speak about, you know, his values and his honour and that kind of thing. Um, but not acknowledging the question of were you disloyal? Yeah. Were you dishonourable? He doesn't actually answer those questions. Yeah. How have you felt about Matt Smith's performance as Philip throughout? Um. Yeah, I think he's fine. Yeah. I'm not blown away by it. I think it's good. Yeah. It, it will always be hard for me to not on some level see him as the Doctor because I've invested mm. a lot of energy into his yeah. performance in that. And there are parts of his like lanky, like the way he like, finger points, finger guns at people mm. and stuff like that that's very in that mind, which will always just infest my mind a little bit. But generally, I've liked him. I think there is something going on behind the eyes a lot of the time. 
A su- I wish I could see. His eyes are so small. <laughs> They're tiny. Just because he's missing eyebrows. That's the bit that's putting you off. Maybe. I, like, even his in the moment. His brow is very far forward, though. When he's looking at the picture of the ballerina, mm. I think there's real complexity to what's happening there. Because either it is shame, mm. or it is how the fuck do I explain this, or it is like, this isn't what you think it is. All of those things can be read into that moment. And I like there's a complexity to- Is that ambiguity good, though? I, th- I think the ambiguity is- I think it is for mm. where we're meant to be right now. I don't yeah. think we're meant to be solid on any of those things. And Sometimes even- I think the performance in a lot of ways is so ambiguous. Sure. Like there was the one scene when he, you know, he's become the prince or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know what I think about that scene. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I know what he thinks about that scene, but I'm actually not sure. And it it feels ambiguous. But surely the show, if it's not, I I think it's deliberate. I think if they Mm. wanted you to think something particularly solid, they'd say it. They'd make it more obvious. I don't think it's a weakness in the performance. I think it's meant to be a little bit like, is this a regretful moment or is this a... Spiteful moment, or is this like when he's when he gets the Princeton? Mm. There is, but then like it feels like, hollow, and I think it's meant to feel hollow. Like he does say he sold, you know, you sell yeah. out. You know, that's what he thinks of what he did. Yeah, um, he does say that later. But the thing on. is, like <laughs> this idea of like, oh, I I sold out. That's not. That's also not how I was seeing the scene. What do you think? I guess. I thought it was a realization of um, what an empty and pathetic thing to ask for. I think that is exactly what is part of it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just because it wasn't again that conversation they had was not the conversation either of them thought they were having. Mm. Like, I, I, I think it's good. I'm not. It's not Claire Foy performance, but I think he's doing. As much as anyone should could ask of that character or this person, I yeah. think. Again, it's so complex when they're real people. Yeah. Like you can't come yeah. down on too firm a line or be or be accused of like libel, essentially, if you make him too like I, I like mm. there's a charm to him that I get. There is a childishness to him that I think is authentic. Mm. I think it's all in there. Yeah, I think like well, obviously, you know, Claire. Foy is there's so much she doesn't say, but I still like, oh, okay, I understand mm-hmm. what that character is experiencing in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it can be several things at once, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there are quite a few moments with Matt Smith's performance where I'm like, I don't actually know what you're meant to be conveying. Is how I felt. Is it wasn't like, is it is it this? It was like, I don't know what I, I just wonder how much he's lying to himself, which is why that's Difficult. like Sure, but then I should be able to say like, oh, he's lying to himself instead of just being confused as to what the intention is. Yeah, again, I wonder whether this is it'll come become more clear later on. Like the whole David thing. Like the David thing, everything about David mm. feels different now to what I thought I was reading in the first season mm-hmm. to what we now know about David. Yeah. Everything with more context and we know we're going to get plenty more time with Philip. Although it's going to be fascinating when that comes from a different actor. Yeah. Like Matt Smith doesn't get another go at this. That was it. That was it. That yeah. was his that was the youngest version of Philip we're gonna see, apart mm. from the very young version from that one episode. It's mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't know. The the whole the whole way this works is fascinating to me. It's gonna take a while to adjust, I think. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Oh, Somebody's watched, watched the first episode of season three. 
I was well, as soon as you leave my house, I'm going to watch oh, the first episode. I'm so excited. We're going to talk a tiny bit about it before we finish this podcast, but we haven't got there yet. We need to quickly talk. Oh, I did want to talk about also the very, very final scene of like the whole royal family getting their portrait taken by mm-hmm. Cecil again. Cecil's very funny to me as well. <laughs> as he reads poetry to them, I actually think that would be really relaxing. Yeah. If someone like read poetry about how like- He's framing the feel of yeah. like this photo. And, and I think that works. would very help me- if I need to, to look a certain way and someone yeah, narrated like <laughs> some sort of poetry or beautiful prose to me to evoke that emotion I'm meant to be showing. Yeah. Amazing technique. Anyway, go on. Uh, that moment is interesting at the end though mm. with everyone's just sort of, you know, doing their thing, not paying attention, not in the moment. Elizabeth looks just sort of like... Uh, frustrated with everybody. Mm. Just holding, you know, the new baby. Just had a fucking baby, yeah. Just had a fucking baby. <laughs> And then Philip recognizes this in a very like shouty dad way. He says, everyone yeah. shut the fuck up and yeah. take the photo. And yeah. there is a moment as they're doing that where she reaches, she reaches over. over. And yeah. it's like, that's a very interesting moment. This idea mm. of maybe how they work or what his role, his job is meant to be with her. I mean, he was told as well by, mm. by King George, you know, your, she is the job mm-hmm. sort of thing. I thought that was an interesting moment. And again, it's not it's not a full stop though. It's like no. it's not it's not, certainly not the end of the chapter. Mm. Maybe the end of this sentence, yeah. but we're gonna move into a new sentence very quickly. Yeah, and I you know, I really enjoyed that this season. It's like we really see them at different stages, even in the, in this season alone yeah. of their relationship. You know, we have the time where like things are tumultuous and then we settle back down again around their tenth anniversary and then things become tumultuous again and kind mm. of just seeing like this is a long marriage and there's going to be a lot of different things going on and dynamics evolving, yeah. Uh, it reminded me actually this season a little bit of a season of Orange is the New Black, I think it was. Maybe it was something mm. else we watched that like- it's a shocking twist, yeah. Started with a bit of like Alex and Piper and then we just like, they sh- just had a- that was yeah, just sort of settled in the middle. Mm. A bunch of other things happened and then we came back to them at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what this season was. It was like bookended by Philip and Elizabeth and then in the middle was other stuff going on. Yeah. We haven't talked about Margaret. No. How have we not talked about Margaret? I don't know. How did you feel about Margaret this season? Oh, Margaret. Margaret. (laughs) I'm so in love with Margaret. It's really upsetting. Uh, (laughs) I find her so sexy. Anyway, it's beside the point. She's more than just her looks, Um, which I guess is something that I found interesting about her character this season. I guess just seeing her struggle with... This idea of S T ruggling was my ruggling. was my was my note. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, she's in a bad place. Yeah, really bad. Um, so obviously she is incredibly depressed after things with what's his name? Something Townsend. P- Peter Townsend. Peter Townsend. Just call him Towner. No, uh, um, Peter Townsend. He's a Richmond player who's <laughs> Jacob Townsend. I just call him Towner. Oh, so we just call him Towner. Go on. Great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so obviously she's struggling through that um, and she's lost. Like, And she said last season to Elizabeth, you know, he's the only one that can like time, like tether me. Without him, I am lost. And she's very much lost this season. And then she meets Tony and we see that, you know, this idea of her image as a princess and then this image that he tells her that she is Um, and she thinks that that is freedom and oh my god I finally found myself really it's just another man coming into her life being like this is what you are this is what you want yeah um 
so she's she is a lost person and just being taken down paths that she thinks is what she wants but she doesn't know what she wants because she doesn't know who she is because she's just the princess she's just the princess in that stupid fucking birthday photo that she takes because tony does say that it's like this guy who that there was a truth to what he said there but yes, she ends up attaching her entire self. Well, that's the perfect self- thing that a manipulator says, right? They like mm. they acknowledge a weakness in you, and yeah, they probably will acknowledge it to your face. But then they're like, "Oh, and I'm the solution." Just so you know, mm-hmm. here's your greatest weakness that I'm able to see. Here's like a way for you to fix it. It's by being with me and giving me everything of yourself. The direct quotes are: "A woman in my own right, a woman who is free." And juxtaposed, I think, in the same conversation with Tony makes sense of me, defines me. Like, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. such a contradiction. Yeah. it's And that's what she is. And, and it's just like, you know, with her and Peter, like, she was mm. like, if I don't have him, I have nothing. Like, yeah, she so desperately wants to be taken away and saved because um, she doesn't want to have to deal with making herself happy. Well, it, the, that episode, the Margaret episode, mm. uh, where she first meets Tony, an early scene is her wreathing in pain and sadness, like mm. throwing herself around her room, throwing Smashing furniture, things, just yeah. like utterly like levels of operatic depression. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with her on a high of like ecstasy, in a very similar sort of framing in her room, just sort of like Mm. draping herself over a couch and smoking a cigarette and just feeling the afterglow of like being around Tony. And it's this, these extreme Extreme, highs and extreme lows and everything is extremes with her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like, you know, with Tony, well, not with Tony, with Peter, like, you know, I'll never marry anyone else. Like you're it for me. mm -hmm. And then obviously like she is this, she is, she's, you know, this tragic woman in an opera when he's not there and she's, you know, just going to these fabulous parties but it's, you know, this underlying layer of tragedy and attaching herself to toxic men and then she meets this incredible artist and, like, they're so fabulous together and everything's going to be wonderful after that. Um, Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. I really enjoyed... The how we were pulled into this world of like the this dark underworld almost along with Margaret. It's so exciting and sexy. I immediately went, what a wanker. And he talks about him, yes. But I think just in general, I mean, no doubt, mm. all of them are kind of wankers. Oh, all these people they're with. Yeah. But I also felt like they did a really good job of, of the appeal of it, especially if someone who's come from who's lived with a silver spoon in their mouth mm. their entire lives, to go into this guy's, like, dark loft and be seduced the way that she is and stuff, mm. of course it would be fucking exciting. Yeah. And I f- think she did a fantastic job of conveying that excitement mm-hmm. and that the scariness of it that's also completely yeah. to, like, yeah, like she's, the whole thing is Yeah, true. truly exposed to something that she has never experienced before. Even it... it in the party scene when she's alone and she doesn't really know how to function in a room of people that don't know to kind of, you know, the where they use deference all the time this season. Um, Yeah. And so she doesn't know what she's like a child in a, in a lot of ways, in many, many ways. She's just a a really lost child. 
So obviously, like he spots her, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Spots this the 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 weak one mm-hmm. staggering behind the rest yep. of the herd, picks her yep. off exactly, and then you know, and he just kind of yeah exposes her to the things that that he creates a fantasy for her, yeah. which he does apparently for like all of the women that come into that space. He creates this fantasy of what you would want. I like that she you, recognized. Yeah, that the game. that was very good because the thing is, she's not. What they could have done with this character is made her dumb, right? She could have been this, like, sad, soppy, dumb princess. And mm-hmm. she's not that. She is, yes, genuinely depressed and upset about mm-hmm. what has happened in her life. Do, is she very dramatic about it? Yes. Well, you wonder about but the she's also, damage of it. Like Exactly. But there is also a lot of times a lot of quite a bit of self-awareness to it, the way that she kind of makes fun of her situation in a very dry kind of sardonic way, but yeah, the way she speaks to it makes it more relatable than just kind of this self-pitying nature. Like she goes out and she tries different mm. things, and she yeah. When she like agrees to marry, I can't remember the guy's name. The dickhead got shot yeah yeah which is very funny the whole idea of the duel and stuff but I, when she's on the phone to to peter i think and she's talking about like how he disgusts me and like his weakness is like repulses me and all this mm. sort of stuff uh, i just there's something really in, I don't, enjoyable about the drama of it all i totally see how she got sucked into it oh yeah she she's living this fabulous fantasy yeah but she yeah but yeah that comes if you're living in like a soap opera, mm. then, yeah, it comes with those highs and lows and it's unsustainable. I think my favourite metaphor, there's, two, there's, cut, there's a few metaphors I might actually add this season. Mm. I think the, uh, <laughs> just while I'm remembering this, there's a conversation, but uh, Elizabeth's trying to call Philip when he's on the yacht mm. and they can't get through. I'm like, geez, I think there's some metaphor experience <laughs> with this uh, phone call right now. But the, um, the when Tony gives Margaret the ring to propose... It's like a perfect metaphor for this. It's like, I'm going to give you what you want, but first I'm going to make you play. Yeah. I'm going to play with you first. But also it is make surrounded by everything relating to me. All it has nothing yeah. has nothing to do with All her. All these film It's canisters in canisters and, yeah. and like a photo that he took that's just her eye that he's like stripped over. It's just, it's so... It's got nothing to do with her. Yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes, Damask? I do. It's mostly just quotes and stuff. Um, I really enjoyed the scene where Prime Minister McMillan, I think mm-hmm. his name is. He was is- nowhere near as memorable as Churchill. No, but. Or even well, Eden. Who, who Eden. could be? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he continually keeps talking over Elizabeth and just the faces she's making. And then finally he shuts up and she just turns him. She says, they say that listening is important in any marriage, which I, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we mentioned earlier that is my voice all right? Not too strangled, Mm -hmm. which is perfect. I also loved when um, the queen, the queen mum are watching Billy Graham and the queen mum just goes, only zealot shout, which I quite enjoyed <laughs> because that's something my grandma would say. Right. Uh, because, yeah, all of that kind of, I guess, Americanized way of preaching and experiencing church, my family did not agree with. Sure. <laughs> um, oh, here's just a simple little note I made. 
I feel so uncomfortable when Elizabeth and Philip are being sexy. Do you? I do actually. You don't feel that? I it's not that I I didn't mind it so much at the very beginning when before he leaves. There were moments when that was a bit cute. The um the sexualizing of the queen with like the beer maid thing with the pulling <laughs> that made me really uncomfortable. I I that feels weirdly authentic to me. It is, but I'm just like I don't know. It's it, not sexy. It's, no, it's just the queen though. And I just make, cause then he's like talking about her tits and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, I can't handle this right now. What's, um, what's my, what's my best quality? What's two actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Good one, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is just a, a wonderful little note. Um, so in episode eight, when she's like, I think it's Balmoral they're at and she's like, you know, you know, Jeeps and stuff. Yes. Um, it's raining. Is it the beginning of episode? It's raining a lot. Mm-hmm. And at the back of her car, it's just like three little wet corgis in the rain. And it just like, I rewound and watched it again just to look at their little face. It was so cute. And then I immediately looked up like, where can I get a corgi from? How much do they cost? Well, I couldn't because I obviously wouldn't buy from a breeder. No. I was like, and they're just aren't uh, corgis in shelters. Because <laughs> um, who would ever give up that beautiful butt? You know what I mean? So anyway, that, that put a smile on my doll. What are your side notes? Uh... I f- Do you feel like Matt Smith's accent changed this season? It was like stronger uh-huh. or something. I didn't notice. I felt like he added a little bit. It was a little mm. bit posher this time mm. around, a little bit more regal. Right. He's spending more time with the royals, so he's adapted. Something like that. Mm. Uh, it was the first time, remember I remarked last season that the CGI was pretty good? Mm-hmm. There was a couple of shots of the yacht that Philip was on that looked like came out of like a PS2 cutscene. Like it was <laughs> truly like second rate. Uh, there was that very bit at the beginning of the David episode where we got to see George and Winston mm. just for a scene. I was like surprised how much I, I just didn't, I got a thrill out of that I got too. really confused because they're like, oh, we have to send it to the Prime Minister and then it was Winston Churchill. I'm like, what? did they send it to the wrong Prime Minister? <laughs> and then we see the King. I was like, oh, we've gone back in time. Right. It took me way too long to figure it out. <laughs> anyway, go on. Are you, you didn't go back in time when you re- it was an Indiana Jones film at the start of this and there were Nazis everywhere and they were <laughs> didn't think maybe No, because it was when they were um, – oh, yeah, obviously I knew that bit was back oh, in sure. time. But the actual like – Giving, oh, I don't even know remember what I was thinking. Yeah, it was probably cool. really. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so an enlightening moment is finding out that uh, Pierre Townsend's wife to be is 19 fucking years old. Oh yeah, I didn't put it in the thing, but I wrote a note that says Pierre Townsend's definitely a pedophile. He has a problem, allegedly. But he's let's be honest, gross. Yeah, that is gross. And gross. I want to refer back to me last week who had that right. Mm-hmm. He is gross. Yeah. Um, there's something totally weird side note, but I love, like, it just occurred to me how violent flash photography is. Like, something really aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. And it's used so, it's used like in everything mm-hmm. uses that sort of um, in film, but I just enjoy the way it's used. I love the, the sound of like the old light bulb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the bit where JFK and um, Jackie come in and like get all the protocols wrong, <sighs> and Michael and Martin are just sitting there like bloody shambles. I mean, it was quite funny when they were doing that. I was like, "Fucking Americans, like get it together." <laughs> also, I thought Michael C. Hall's accent was terrible. Thank you. That was one of my notes as well. Did he look or sound anything like JFK? Like. Why was, was Michael C. Hall being given this really role? Really bad. Really bad. I also like the bit where Martin's on the phone back to, uh, I think it's Michael, whoever it is, back to the palace or whatever, mm. and they're asking what's going on. It's like, 
I believe it's a foxtrot. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. Also, just about the Michael C. Hall thing. Yes. Um, the lady who played Jackie O was Jodie Balfour. I thought yes. she did a wonderful job and the accent was really yeah, fucking good. Yeah, she was good. way better. She was um, also more important in the episode, so yeah, I'm glad but, they got that yeah, right. Yeah, just so, so well done. Also... She, I was like, I know this woman from something. Mm. She's from South Africa, but I know her from a Canadian show that I watched quite a few years ago now. It only had one season, which was tragic because it was so fucking good. It's called Bomb Girls. Mm. If you can Never find it, it anywhere, watch it. It's about obviously during World War II when all the gents go overseas and in a factory, mm. um, these women make bombs and it's it's really good. Anyway, that's how I know her. And I think she's wonderful. Um, this is a really uh, specific little detail this one. The mm-hmm. kid that plays like young Philip, the Philip that goes to the school, mm-hmm. reminds me of young William from A Knight's Tale. <laughs> Don't know how <laughs> I remember A Knight's Tale. I'm like just totally. I mean, those piercing blue eyes and yes. blonde hair. Yeah, totally. Totally all that. Yeah. A confederacy of elected quitters. thought that summed oh, up so good. Claire Foy's eras. Yeah. And I was, quite well. yeah, I was like, fuck all those men. God, they just a bunch of letdowns. And my final note. Fucking osteopaths. Am I right? <laughs> fucking fuck them. All right. For those at home, Broad has a bias because he's a chiropractor. Not really. But I just thought that was... And he's got death to all osteos <laughs> tattooed on his chest. Not true. I like osteopaths quite <laughs> a bit. I know. I know. You often speak about how that thing that is. That between very osteopaths silly. and chiros and is ridiculous. Uh, least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode at Damask? I'm actually going to go with the final episode. Mm. Um... I just felt like, and because probably because I knew it was the final episode and it was the last one for these guys. So I knew it was going to be the wrap up of this kind of, this gen of story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like. Like a Degrassi generation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love Degrassi. Anyway, it's not the point. That's why I said it. <laughs> so I just thought there was a lot going on mm-hmm. in it. So things were developing and I wasn't sure I was given enough time to fully comprehend them. Mm-hmm. So we had like a scandal. We had a suicide. We had a dangerous pregnancy. We had a new unfavorable prime minister that we don't really see, but apparently exists. And then we've got further disillusionment of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see protesters and stuff. So there's a lot going on. And I was like, I don't quite understand any of these in a way that I feel like I should or have come to expect from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also we had, yeah, the final conversation between Philip and Elizabeth that was building all season. And I don't think I was satisfied by it. Like it didn't quite get to the crux of the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that was probably, yeah, my least favorite. What about you? My least favorite episode was episode two, A Company of Men. It's not a bad episode. It's just the middle part of that sort of opening three-parter. And I'm sort of left at the episode going... You're like, is this the new season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really where we're at there. I was just kind of like, this is dragging on a bit. Had that terrible CGI of the boat in there. And I don't know. It just felt like the show had lost a step. It was resorting to a few cheap tricks narratively here and there. Mm. I kind of feel like now, the way you described that last episode, maybe they could have had one less episode from that opening three-parter, maybe had a, yeah. like a two-parter, two-parter and a two-parter ending. at the mm. ending to give you time Makes to sense. absorb all the rest of the information. Yeah. Just was a little bit unwieldy for me. I would, at, for a moment there during the Jackie episode, I thought maybe the Jackie Kennedy episode mm. could have been my least favorite, but it definitely That was my up. during the Philip episode. I'm like, am I really enjoying this? Sure. Mm. And I, that's fair too, I think. Mm. Um, favorite episode, Damascus. I'm going to go with episode six. Oh, why did I choose the one with the foreign name? <laughs> the Gangenheit. 
Nailed well it. Done. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of history that I knew a little bit about, but I was very happy to know more. So I just didn't really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I also liked this other side of Elizabeth that we've kind of come to know, but not really. And just seeing her as a Christian. Yes. So not like a figurehead of a church, but just as a, a living, breathing Christian person. Um, and I, yeah, enjoyed the kind of... The, the talking about forgiveness, the nature of forgiveness, what it means to be a Christian, but also unable to forgive. And I thought the character of Billy Graham said some really interesting things about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just – and just this crossing of family hurt with duty. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, there's the deep family hurt that – David caused and then also um, the betrayal of duty and then also you have the added layer of faith on top of that, Mm -hmm. all these three things coming together for like a really great insight as to the complications of the position but also um, how it affects the person. Yeah. And it also just showed kind of a further step towards the leader that she actually has become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I That was definitely up there in the running. Mm. Uh, that, the first Margaret episode, episode four, mm-hmm. and then the one I'm going to give it to, episode five, Marionettes, I'm mm-hmm. going to say is my favourite episode. I think because it speaks a lot to the evolution of the royal family as we're going to come to mm. see that happen as we get closer and closer yeah. to the present day. Um, I think it's it's fascinating to see Elizabeth react to some very personal attacks I think seeing the real problems that the the royal family monarchy has at keeping like at understanding the people of England like that speech they give when they're Oh my god that was awful. Right. But I'm sorry your lives are so dull and boring but I as your queen thank you. Even oh just when god. they're walking around like she's a woman who knows about cars right yeah. but they're walking around the factory and going like oh is that a chassis is it and like mm. you know you watch like your prime ministers <laughs> Philip goes I've always wondered about the red leather I'm like what the fuck yeah. But this is like you see this right you watch a, yeah. a segment during elections in particular politicians go around they put the hard hat on and they like pretend mm. to know or ask questions prime about minister like prime minister bites into an onion, <laughs> which is, if you're from another country, look up Australian Prime Minister biting an Tony onion. Tony Abbott onion. That's all you need to look up. <laughs> what a fucking moron. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I love how, we, how much we hold the uh, office of Prime Minister in such high esteem in this country. Well, if they weren't a bunch of wankers, maybe I'd have more respect for it. Um, but yeah, like that felt very real. Like, real. It was a recognisable mm. touchstone moment of me going, oh, I've seen politicians do that. Be so out of touch with the people. Mm. And even like, while you're right about the reporter said awful things about Elizabeth, he was ultimately right in a lot of ways. And just to see like... That I, I similar to the coronation scene in season one, mm-hmm. I thought the filming of the Christmas message was equally fascinating to watch, mm. and the way that it was played with this extremely sad and somber score underneath it, like yeah. it was the death of the monarchy, yeah. like this was a well, that's what it looked like through Queen Mum's eyes, like yes. filled, filled with tears, and mm. I, I just thought that was uh, yeah a highlight mm. for me this season, but. There was those three in the middle that could have been any of them, really. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns? Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think this season was 
an amazing stepping stone to like the next period of time that we're going to go to because we're dealing with this great big shift that happens with how the monarchy is viewed, mm-hmm. which plays a huge role in the things that are to come. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give any spoilers of anyone that is unaware. And I like, and I think it's going to be similar to what happened with my experience of season one and two is that I know tidbits. I'm going to learn more yeah. about those moments, but I certainly know that the the press's relationship with the royals changes quite drastically yep. in the coming decades. Um, so I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. And obviously, yeah, the role of being for Philip and Elizabeth being parents to now what adult children at this stage. But, well, it depends when. Eventually, yes, yes, is worth noting. That these roles are now being taken over by new actors. Mm. I've watched the first episode. Virtually every role we have come to recognise being played by mm. an actor has been replaced with a new actor. Yeah. Um, it takes a little bit of like, is that is that, that person? Yeah, is that's that true, yeah. it's like, okay, is that oh right, that's this mm-hmm. person. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it and yet mm. <laughs> and this is just fascinating observation. By the time by the way, by the we're recording this two weeks before this premieres. When this episode comes out, I think is the same day mm, that okay. or the day before the new season starts. So this right. is we're not reaching too far into the future here. Yeah. It six months from where we left off at the end of season two. What? Yes. It is six months after the end of season two is the start of season three. Why did they get new actors then? No fucking idea, mate. No idea. I thought it takes place in like the... It will. It will. It starts six months after the end. That's confusing. Very confusing because everyone has aged 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, Mm. just as a little, little... Little sneak, little tease. Yeah. I love the cold open of episode one. Okay, cool. It is very cheeky. Yeah. Oh. And ve- I'm, I'm like, I tip my hat to thee. You understood mm. what you were doing. Mm. And it's like, it's a little bit, it's a tiny bit meta, but it's um, it's very cute. I really like the cool. way it starts. Also, when I was like in one of my Googling sessions while watching this season, I unfortunately, it's so stupid, but I unfortunately got a spoiler for... The I've, fate of a character that I really enjoyed. Oh, this season, and um, I think it probably will take place in the next season or two, and I'm not looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, I'm so googling can is. be dangerous all this, but also it's history. Honestly, so even fuck me like not knowing, even like googling as someone who is just like constantly trying to reference like the actors and stuff, or go to like the Crown wiki, mm. wiki, and they'll say like, and season three will take place between this decade, this year, and this year, where the events of this happen. It's like okay, I've just been spoiled <laughs> on a major. Like the first line mm. gives away a big scenario in episode one, and it's just like it's gone. All right, well, it's I'm definitely away. gonna watch it. As you Straight away. Leave, I'm actually like- going to watch you watch a little bit of it. Just okay. that first bit. Just want to see what you think. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. And our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their works in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next week, I'll be back with the aforementioned Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. We'll be uh, discussing Gravity Falls Season 2. We did a review of Gravity Falls Season 1. 
a couple of months back, I think, whatever it was. Um, you're going to be away in India. I will be. So I'm going to do that with Lucas. And then once you return, mm-hmm. we'll be back to discuss The Crown Season 3. That's going to come a couple of weeks after the Season 3 is launched. So you'll have time to have watched Season 3 by then, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So looking Fingers forward crossed. to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. And so, yeah.